Hey, when it comes to God, do you ever wonder who's right? Do you ever wonder who's right? What I mean is, if you were to pay attention, you would find that in our world, there are all kinds of different people, and they are saying all kinds of different things about God. I remember before I became a Christian, I used to hear all these different people talk about what they thought God was like, and no, God is more like this or that. And I used to wonder to myself, how do you know, right? How do you know what God is like? What gives you the right to define God for the rest of the world? In fact, you guys are all contradicting each other when you talk about what you think God is like. One person is like, God is this, and the other is like, no, you're wrong, God is that. And I just found myself often wondering, How could you ever know? What makes you so sure that your conception of God is actually right? I don't know if you've ever had that thought in your mind, but I think a lot of people wonder that in the world today. If we were to go around and ask people in our city, hey, what do you think God is like? We would get a bunch of different answers. For instance, if we went to maybe a neighbor who was a Hindu and we said, hey, what is God like in your religion? What do you think God is like? They would say, actually, there are 33 million different gods. And so I'm going to have to give you 33 million different answers in order to to fill you in. It's going to be a long conversation, okay? If you were to go to your Muslim neighbor or coworker or something like that, and you said, hey, what's God like? They would say, there is only one God, only one, no other gods besides Allah. Well, which is it? Are there 33 million gods or is there just one God? If you were to go to a, a Buddhist that you know, And you said, hey, what's God like in your mind? What do you think God is like? They would say, well, you know, God is more of a force than a being, right? God doesn't have personality or will in Buddhism. You can't have a relationship with God in Buddhism any more than you could have a relationship with electricity, right? It's a force and it exists, but you can't really relate to it. No personality, no will or anything like that. Then of course, if you were to ask Christians, hey, what is God like to you? Maybe one Christian would say, well, let me tell you something. God hates everybody, okay? God is angry. He's mad at the world because of all of their sin. And basically, this whole planet is on its way to hell in a handbasket. That's who God is. Then you might find another Christian that you know, and they would say, no, our God is love. Our God would never judge anyone for anything ever. Well, which is it? Is God impersonal or is he personal? Is God angry or is God loving? If you were to go find an atheist in our city and you ask them, what do you think God is like? They would say, what a stupid question. Like there is no God and the world will be a whole lot better when all of you religious people come to realize that. We have a lot of people in our world telling us what they think about God. In fact, we have so many different competing arguments or claims about who God is and what God is like. We have so many different ones that our society has basically said, look, there's no way we can tell who's right and who's wrong in their conception of God. We don't know whether there's one God or 33 million gods. So why don't we just let everybody believe whatever they want to believe about God and that'll be that. In fact, in our society, the only sin that you could commit would be to tell someone else that their ideas about God are wrong. Who's right? Who's wrong? I get the sense, or maybe I imagine that God is up in heaven and he's looking down at us. And I think maybe he might be a little bit amused by all of our contradictory statements about who he is, you know, in the same way that kids, you know, maybe as a parent, your kid comes up to you and he's like, mom, 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 I want to tell you everything there is to know about Jupiter. And so they start telling you about the planet Jupiter and you're listening to him and you're like, okay, two or three things you just said are true, but the rest of that, I don't know where you got that, but that's definitely not the case. I think God looks at us and he's like, okay, maybe a little bit of what you said is right but there's a whole lot that seems pretty goofy. Where'd you get that idea? 
God could also be up in heaven looking down at us and he could be very grieved over the fact that there are so many people in our world that don't really know who he is. And it breaks his heart because he wants to have a relationship with everyone, but everybody's running around saying, God is this, no, God is that. And who are we supposed to believe? Here's what I think. I think it's time that we stop hearing about God and we start hearing from God. In 2020, we've heard about God for sure. We've heard what you believe about God, what you believe, what they believe. Everybody's talking about God. But what if we could actually hear from God? Well, that would be a game changer. I mean, that would be a totally new way of approaching this concept or question of what is God like? Hey, this is week two of our series called Frequency. And what we wanna help you to understand this month is that A, we have a God who speaks. God speaks. And God doesn't just speak like, you know, at very special moments in history. And the rest of the time, he's basically quiet up in heaven watching it all unfold. And God doesn't only speak to really special or holy people. God actually promises that he will speak to every single one of us. All we have to do is have ears to hear. All we have to do is to listen. So today, what I want to help you to understand is that you don't have to settle for hearing about God from religious people like me. Instead, you can actually hear directly from God with your own ears and soul. So let me show you what I mean. We're going to be reading a passage in John chapter number 10. We're going to read a lot of this, um, this chapter today, but I think it'll be really, really helpful to you. We're going to start reading here in verse number 22, John 10, 22. The scripture says, It was now winter, and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. He was in the temple walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. The people surrounded him, and they asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Now we're going to pause here for a moment because I want to focus on that last sentence. If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. The, the word Messiah, it means anointed one or chosen one. And we're going to see as, as this conversation unfolds that the people in Jesus' day believed that he was a wise man who had come to teach them more about God. That's what they assumed it meant to be the Messiah. They're like, oh, God must have been looking down from heaven and he saw this guy named Jesus and Jesus was really dedicated to him. And so God said, oh, I'm gonna choose him. He's gonna be my anointed one. And so they expected Jesus to show up and to teach them about God, that he would be another man who would share his thoughts on what God is like. And look, our world today basically believes the exact same thing. We believe that Jesus was a wise man, like many other wise men that have come before him, who had some interesting thoughts about God. In fact, I'm going to put some um, world religious leaders here on the screen for you. And I want you to kind of just, you know, maybe you're familiar with some of these names, perhaps you're not, but I want you to notice that the world would look at somebody like Muhammad, who is the prophet of Islam, and they would say he was a wise man who had important things to say about God. They would look at somebody like Siddhartha Gautama, who eventually became known as the Buddha, and they would say he was a wise man who had important things to say about God. They would, they would point you towards Gandhi, who's one of the most famous Hindus who ever lived in history. They might point you towards Joseph Smith, the guy who founded Mormonism. They might point you toward Moses, the hero of Judaism. They could even point you towards somebody like Bertrand Russell, who is a very famous atheist philosopher of the last century. And they would say all of these wise people had important and worthwhile things to teach us about God. 
And they would also claim that Jesus belongs right next to them, that his picture should be right alongside this long list of people who had interesting things to say about God. But can I tell you something? Jesus is on a whole other level from all of these religious leaders. He is on another level entirely. And the reason why is because while all of these other religious leaders spoke about God, Jesus came and he spoke as God. That is a key distinction. Jesus claimed to speak as God, not simply for God or about God. When Jesus speaks in in the New Testament, this is not some wise man who shows up and says, you know what? A really interesting thought about God occurred to me. What if God is like da-da-da-da-da, right? When Jesus speaks in the New Testament, it's not like, you know, you get the chance to interview somebody who knows something about God and they get to tell you what they think about God. No, when you see Jesus speak in the New Testament, this is God invading our world, holding a press conference and telling us all what we need to know about him. This is not someone speaking in the third person about God. When Jesus speaks, it is God himself speaking in the first person. Jesus, he doesn't speak about God like all these other people. Jesus came and he spoke as God. Now, maybe you're here and you're skeptical and you're thinking, but did he really? I mean, Dan, isn't it possible that Jesus was just a wise man and that's all he intended to be? But over the years and centuries and millennia, you Christians have kind of built up the myth of Jesus so that he has meaning and and maybe identity that he never intended. Isn't it possible, Dan, that if Jesus were to walk out here on stage today, he would look at you and say, what are you guys doing? Why are you worshiping me? I'm just a man like you're a man. I had some good thoughts about God, but you know, don't give me your worship. Don't call me God. Is it possible that that is what Jesus actually intended and we've just gotten his identity wrong? Well, in order to answer that question, I want to continue reading what Jesus actually said here in John chapter number 10. So we'll put these verses here on the screen. We'll pick up the story here in verse 25. The, The people have said to him, if you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And so Jesus replied, I have already told you and you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my father's name. Don't believe me because, uh, sorry, he says, but you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me for my father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from my father's hand. And then I want you to notice this last statement. The father and I are one. Now, you might be thinking, Jesus is like, yeah, I'm one with God. You know, like I'm I'm real close to God because I am a good person and I followed the scriptures really well. So I am one with God. But when Jesus said this, that's not what he meant. He meant, I am of the same essence as the Father. This was his way of saying, I am actually God incarnate in the world. Now, if you're like, "Uh, I'm not sure that's what he meant, look at the way the crowds react to him after he says, the Father and I are one. Verse 31 tells us, once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. Jesus said, at my father's direction, I've done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? And they replied, we're stoning you not for any good work, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. 
Okay. Now at this moment, Jesus could have said, what are you talking about? I'm not God. That's not, that's not the point I'm making. How did you get that out of what I just said? Let me, let me break this down, like explain it to you like you're five years old. He could have done that. But instead, watch how Jesus responds to them. They say, you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus says, why do you call it blasphemy when I say I am the son of God? After all, the father set me apart and sent me into the world. Don't believe me unless I carry out my father's work. But if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works that I have done, even if you don't believe me or believe my words. Then you will know and understand, and then watch this last phrase, that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Now, it would have been one thing if Jesus would have said, hey, God is with me. That would have been one thing. Anybody could say that, right? But he actually said, I am also in the Father. He's claiming authority and equality with God the Father himself. And the Jews knew exactly what he was saying. That's why they wanted to kill him over it. If you ever find yourself wondering, Dan, how do you know that your idea of what God is like, how do you know it's actually true? Or if you're a Christian and you're like, Dan, I believe the scripture, I believe in Jesus, but how do we know that we don't just have opinions like God just as everybody else in our world does? I have confidence in my beliefs about God because they are not simply my beliefs about God. This is God's revelation of himself to the world. So this isn't about what Dan thinks about God. This is what God said was true of himself when he entered the world. I'll agree with you, okay? If all we have are wise men and women throughout history who offer their best thoughts and opinions on God, then nobody on the planet should be religious. We should all be atheists or agnostics. We really should. Because if all we have are people's thoughts about what God could be, who knows who's right? It could be the person who says there are 33 million gods. It could be the person who says there is no God. And, excuse me, there is no way for us to know which one is correct. But if God himself has invaded our world and he has spoken from the first person and told us everything that we need to know about him and the way he wants us to live, then he doesn't just deserve our attention. He doesn't just deserve a hearing. We should reorder our entire lives around his words because they are the absolute truth and they come from the source of truth himself. This is a deep, deep truth that I'm sharing with you today. You might need some time to process it a little bit. I understand that. But I want to share with you a few principles, a few applications maybe that come out of this knowledge that Jesus doesn't just speak about God, Jesus speaks as God. Let me share with you a few things that might help you to to walk this out in your life every single day. The first one is this. If you want to hear from God, if you want to hear God's voice, listen to Jesus. If you want to hear God's voice, you should listen to Jesus. I'm not going to belabor this point too much because I just said it several times in a row. But when you hear Jesus, you are actually hearing God. 
If you wonder what God would say on a particular subject or issue, you only need to read what Jesus said on that particular subject or issue. If you wonder what God thinks about this person or that kind of person over there, all you need to do is go look at what Jesus said and how he related to that kind of person. Because if you want to hear God's voice, you need to listen to Jesus. I'm so passionate about this that every single morning when I sit down and I read the Bible, we call this devotional reading. Essentially, it's, it's not me reading so that I can prep the sermon on Sunday morning. It's just me reading so I can grow in my knowledge and relationship with God. I'm so passionate about this idea that if I wanna hear God's voice, I need to listen to Jesus, that when I do my devotional reading, I choose to only read from Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. I do, every morning. I only read from one of those four Gospels. And that is because out of 66 books here in the Bible, those are the only four that tell us what Jesus said and did while he was here on earth, okay? And so if I wanna grow and become more like Jesus, if I wanna hear from God and I know I need to listen to Jesus' voice, then I need to spend time in the parts of the Bible that tell me what Jesus said and what it is that Jesus did. Now, look, guys, I'm definitely not saying that the other parts of the Bible are unimportant and you shouldn't read them. I read the other parts of the Bible, too. But can I tell you, my goal in life is not to be more like Moses. My goal in life is not to be more like David. My goal in life is not to be more like Paul in the New Testament. My goal in life is to be like Jesus. And so if I'm going to be like Jesus, I need to spend time with Jesus. Now, here's the good news. Here's the good news. You know how some people, they get worse the more time you spend with them. You with me on this one? They get, the more you get to know them, the less you like them. That is not true of Jesus. Hey, you may have a coworker. You see him around the office. You're like, he's a cool guy. I think it'd be fun to hang out with him. And so you guys get together on a Saturday. And after spending about two hours with him, you're like, you are not somebody I want to spend any more time with. The more I get to know you, the less I like you. Maybe you meet a girl and you're like, oh my goodness, she could be my soulmate. And so you guys go out to dinner and at dinner, she orders a garden salad and then she steals all the fries off of your plate. And you're like, I don't share food. The more I get to know you, the less I like you. Some people, you don't really like them once you get to know them. But the opposite is true of Jesus. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more wonderful and attractive he becomes. The more time you read his words, the more you love what it is that he has to say. Some people you like less when you get to know them. And quite frankly, I'll tell you, that's true of most of the people that we put up here on the screen. The world religious leaders, if you study not only the things they said, but if you also study the things that they did, you're like, I don't really know if I like you the more I get to know about you. But you will never have that experience with Jesus. The more you get to know him, the more you will be drawn to him and you will love the things that he said and do. The things that he said and did. His words are beautiful. His words are challenging in all the right ways. His words have a ring of truth that no one else's does. And you will discover that when you listen to his words, when you spend time with him. If you want to hear God's voice, you should listen to Jesus. Second thought is this. We need to make a big deal out of Jesus 
in particular and not just God in general. We need to make a big deal out of Jesus specifically and not just God generally. See, if we go around and we talk about God generally, then everybody is going to wonder, which God are you talking about? Which one? Are you talking about the splintered Hindu God? There are like 33 million of him. Or are you talking about the angry fundamentalist God who hates everybody and wants to send them all to hell? Which God do you mean when you say the word God? And if we don't explain it to them, they will fill in the blanks with whatever their concept of God might be. But when we talk about Jesus, we get real specific. Maybe even uncomfortably specific when we start talking about Jesus. But here's the thing. The people in our world, they don't need a generic relationship with a vague concept of God. They need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died for them. So we don't need to talk about God in general. We need to talk about Jesus in specific. If you're sharing your faith with people in your life, don't don't share with them a faith that will lead to some vague, generic God. Share with them a faith that will lead to the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself. I had this happen actually to me this week. I went out the door on, <clears throat> excuse me, I went out the door on Thursday, I think it was, and um, I didn't want to brush my hair. I was feeling lazy. So I put on a ball cap and the ball cap had the word worship on the front of it. It's some of the worship gear that we gave out in our worship series a while back. And so um, it had the word worship, but you know, like because it's a cool hat, uh, all the vowels are dropped out of it. So the, the hat just says W-R-S-H-B. That's it. And so I go to Starbucks that morning and I'm wearing the hat and the girl behind the register looks at me and she says, hey, I like your hat. And I was like, thanks. And she said, what does it mean? And I was like, uh, you like it, but you don't know what it means. And then I was thinking to myself, which hat am I wearing today? Dallas Cowboys or what? I was like, oh, worship hat. That's right, it's a worship hat. And so she said, what does it mean? And I said, you know, I think everybody worships something. Even people who are not religious, we all worship something. And, you know, it could be a God, it could be a sports team, it could be, you know, money or fame or our family or whatever. I said, everybody worships something. Whatever we think is most important in life, we could say we worship that thing. And so this hat is just a good reminder to me that the only one who deserves my worship, and then I had this freak out moment in my heart. Because I could finish this sentence one of two ways. I could say, the only one who deserves my worship is God. Or I could say, the only one who deserves my worship is Jesus. Now you say, Dan, why would you be embarrassed or afraid to talk specifically about Jesus? Well, the girl that I was having this conversation with was very clearly a Muslim. She was wearing a head covering. And I knew if I said, the only one who deserves my worship is God, she would have said, come on, that's right. Yes, I agree. Because when I say God, she says Allah. And she would say, you are so right. Allah does deserve our worship. See, when I speak generically about God, people will just insert their own ideas about God into it. So I kind of had this moment. I'm like, well, you know, the, the thing that will make this a nice, pleasant conversation will be to talk about God. But if I say Jesus in particular, it might get awkward. But then it occurred to me, and of course, you know how this stuff just happens so fast. I'm in the middle of a sentence, for goodness sake. And I thought, you were about to stand up on Sunday morning and tell those people that they're supposed to talk about Jesus specifically and not God generically. So you better finish the sentence by saying Jesus. And so I said, you know what? This hat reminds me that the only one that deserves my worship is Jesus. 
Now she said, oh, really? That's interesting. Jesus is pretty important in our faith. And he is. Muslims consider Jesus a prophet. They don't believe he was God in the flesh. But anyway, now look, I I just want to say, I didn't say, well, you're wrong about Jesus, okay? (laughs) I didn't do that. I'm not trying to be a jerk. But I can say in the moment, I pointed her towards Jesus specifically and not God generically. That's what we've got to do as Christians. Hey, that's what we've got to do as a church as well. Do you realize this? On Sunday mornings, we are not celebrating some vague, fuzzy concept of God. And we're not allowing everybody in the auditorium seats to kind of fill in the blanks with whatever they think is true about God. No, we are celebrating the true and living triune God who, excuse me, I'm getting hyped. He came to earth in the person of Jesus He died on the cross for our sins. This is not some generic God. This is the God who came to earth so he could show us how much he loved us. Because in the end, people don't need religion. People don't need philosophy. They don't need a faith that leads them to some idea of a God who's up there somewhere. People need a relationship with Jesus. And so as a church, we have to point people towards Jesus in particular and not God generically. So can I challenge you, if you are a connect group leader, you need to lead the people in your connect group to Christ and not to God, whatever that might mean. If you are leading worship on stage, don't worship some vague concept of God. Worship Jesus himself. If you're a greeter out front, don't be happy because you have a relationship with God. Be happy because you have a relationship with Jesus who died and rose from the grave on your behalf. If you teach the kids back in our children's department, don't teach them about God. Teach them about Jesus because Jesus speaks as God. He is God. And therefore, we've got to make a big deal out of Jesus in specific and not God in general. Last thought. Jesus didn't simply give us his words. Jesus also gave us his life. I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase, actions speak louder than words. Anybody ever heard that? Yeah, of course. Nowhere and in no one is this more true than with Jesus. Yes, Jesus came to speak as God, to tell us the things that we needed to know about God. But he not only talked the talk, Jesus walked the walk. He walked the walk all the way to the cross and gave his life on our behalf. So we celebrate Jesus in specific, not just because of the things that he said, but because of the things that he did. Let me take you back to the same conversation he was having in John chapter number 10. And in this conversation, I want you to pay attention to Jesus' words here. We'll put them back on the screen. We'll start reading in verse number two. Jesus says, the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. So he's about to, he's gonna use a metaphor here and he's gonna talk about himself as being a shepherd and as us being the sheep. And so he says, the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They're on that frequency. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. 
Jesus goes on here. Look at what he says in verse number 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Hey, there have been a lot of very wise people that have come throughout the millennia. And they had some really interesting things to say about God. But can I remind you, not one of them died for you. The only one who sacrificed himself on your behalf was Jesus of Nazareth. He is the only one that said, I will lay down my life for the sheep to prove and to demonstrate how much I love them. He goes on here. And in verse number, uh, this is verse 16. The father loves me because I sacrifice my life so that I may take it back again. Jesus says, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. In a few weeks, we're gonna have a good Friday worship night. And you know what? We're not gonna celebrate a wise man who got caught up in circumstances beyond his control and unfortunately it cost him his life. We are gonna celebrate the good shepherd who came to earth and voluntarily chose to lay down his life for every single man, woman, boy, and girl on planet earth. But then look at what Jesus says. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. Hello, Easter morning. For this is what my father has commanded. Jesus says that, yes, he came to give his words, but way more important, he came to give his life. And that's because in the end, we don't need a teacher. We need a savior. We don't need somebody else to come give us all their thoughts on God. We need somebody who is going to come and prove that they are God and they want a relationship with us and that we can be set free from the sins that have held us down for years and we can be put on a new path in order to leave an eternal legacy in this world. We don't need more teachers about God. We need somebody who can save us and bring us back to God. So then the question becomes, what are you gonna do? What would you do? Again, I realize for some of you, this is the first time you've ever heard this. Maybe you've been coming to church for years and you always thought that Jesus was just a wise man who taught us how to have a relationship with God. That is not true. Jesus came as God in the flesh. He died in our place so that we could be reconciled to the Father. What are you gonna do in response to that truth? Well, if you look at at the way this conversation ended between Jesus and the, the people, it's so fascinating. When he said these things, when he said, I and the Father are one. When he said, the Father is in me and I am in the Father. When he said, I am the good shepherd, I am the gate that leads to eternal life. When he said, I will lay down my life on behalf of the sheep and I will take it up again to the glory of the father. When he said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. 
Some said, this guy is demon-possessed and out of his mind. Why listen to a man like that? But others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open our eyes? Jesus, he came to rescue us. He came to open our eyes, to open our ears so that we would know what God is really like. And the great news is that God is better than you could have ever hoped. And your situation is better than you could have ever asked for. Because although you've made mistakes, your father still loves you. Although you're trying your best, you know you still come up short. But God has done everything necessary for you to be forgiven and set free in his son, Jesus Christ. This series is all about hearing God. And my bet is God is speaking to you today. He is saying, I want a relationship with you, but the only way that's possible is through Jesus. And so I'm gonna give you the opportunity this morning to to begin that relationship with Jesus, to ask him into your heart to be your savior because you don't need another teacher, you need a savior. I'm gonna ask him to help you to become the person that he wants you to be through his power, through his grace and mercy and through his forgiveness. So I'll ask everyone in the theater to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you say, hey, Dan, this is me. This is the kind of God I need a relationship with. I need to be rescued. I need to be redeemed. I need to be saved. It all begins with a simple prayer. All you have to do is ask Jesus to be your savior and he will. He won't turn anyone away. So you might repeat these words after me. Dear Jesus, today I receive you as my savior. Thank you for what you did for me on the cross. And I pray that I would hear your voice speaking each and every day. I wanna live for you. I thank you, amen. If you've prayed that prayer, then you have begun a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's the best decision you can ever make. And Kyle's gonna share with you in a moment here um, you know, some ways that we can help you on the journey. We can get you a, a copy of the Bible. We can connect you to people who want to help you take your first steps in the faith and all that good stuff. But I'll say even to those of you guys who maybe you've been a Christian, you've known who Jesus has been you know, this whole time, can I just challenge you to remember that if you wanna hear God's voice, the person you need to listen to is Jesus.